There's a reason why our gas prices are a lot higher here. Gavin Newsom has really pushed this notion that the big oil operators are gouging the consumers. People don't know why things are happening. They're just told they need to be angry. The idea is that they will have a committee that's going to watch these companies, right? They will penalize the refineries. As you remove local supply from the market, we become prone to price shocks. It doesn't solve anything. My guest today is Mike Umbro, an energy entrepreneur from California. Today he'll explain why California's gas prices will likely keep increasing despite the state's recent actions to penalize the big oil. Californians don't exactly know who to be upset with. It's very frustrating to hear politicians present it and frame it as, you know, the people versus big oil. I'm Siamai Karami. Welcome to California Insider. It's great to have you on. Welcome back, Mike. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Governor Newsom just passed this law to penalize oil companies. The idea was that they're making a lot of money off us Californians. That, right. That's why our gas prices are high. Right. Can you tell us what happened? You know, to, to take a step back and look at what happened requires us to look at where these refineries are getting their feedstock into the refineries and how they're running their refineries over time. And Gavin Newsom in Sacramento has really pushed this notion that the big oil operators are gouging the consumers. But they typically look at windows of time where they make high profits. And so the, the case for price gouging really emerged in spring of last year, 2022, when oil prices jumped to $120 a barrel as the Russian-Ukrainian war emerged and disruption on the global market became real, a reality. And so during that window, that quarter, Gavin Newsom has cited the industry made $60 billion in profits. But that's a short window in time. And so I think it's important for policymakers and for us inside or related to the industry to take a step back and maybe look at how these refineries have worked and operated in California over the past several years, not just windows where a high commodity price might lend itself towards high profits. And the idea is that they will have a committee that's going to watch these companies, right? How, how does the law work? Do, do you know right. So my understanding is they're starting a committee under the California Energy Commission to investigate and to monitor the way refiners are contracting for crude oil feedstock into the refineries, the way those contracts are set up, the price points in those contracts, the gross margins of those, of those contracts, the refining and the maintenance procedures in these refineries. So in the industry, that's called a turnaround. And so they will turn around and maintain refineries based on different blends of product coming into those refineries. That is impacted by policies. So we have special blends of gasoline that are required in the summer months, in the winter months to reduce smog. So there are a host of characteristics at play. And this committee to monitor price gouging is intended to distill all of that information in the refinery complex and identify whether or not these refineries are unfairly gouging 
Californians. What was shocking to me was that the committee is not clear. They're not going to give the money back to the consumer. Right. That's, that's something that they were talking <laughs> about. They're going to give this yes. back to the consumer. But somehow the money is not going back to the consumer if there is price gouging. Right. Well, wha the way it's being presented to us is, well, the, the committee is going to potentially identify price gouging. If there are gouging events or triggers or whatever they deem price gouging, they will penalize the refineries and then they will redistribute that money back to the people of California, I, I guess, presumably in a, in a rebate or some sort of a program that offers those price gouging penalties back to the people of California. But I think they removed that part, right? They actually, oh, they, okay. when they yeah. passed the law, right. they actually are, don't have that anymore. Right. They, they, they talked about it. They wanted to do it this way. Yes. That's how we were promised. But then uh, after the law was passed, it's kind of vague what they would do with that. And, and there are still some uncertainties with the law. So for example, in reading the bill, they talk about measuring the amount of natural gas or fuel used to produce oil in California. So unrelated to refining and industry trade groups have said, well, uh, Senator, I think it's Senator Skinner who authored the bill, promised to take that language out. So there are still some moving pieces of this piece of legislation that's been signed that still could eliminate themselves from the final draft. There's a reason why our gas prices are a lot higher here. Like right. It's like Several it reasons. 30, 40 yes. percent higher. Yes. Can you tell us why is it Yes. Higher? Yes. So the California Energy Commission already tracks the amount of taxes we pay per gallon at the pump. The last reporting I've seen showed about a dollar and 19 cents that we pay in the form of state excise tax. So California's state excise tax is uh, the highest in the country. We pay cap and trade and low carbon fuel standard taxes at the pump. So those are called climate programs uh, in the California Energy Commission breakdown. We pay storage taxes, several other taxes. When you add them all up, it amounts to about $1.20 per every gallon that you or I or any Californian is filling up in their gas tank. To put that in perspective, other states might have state excise taxes of 20 cents on average. So we're paying a full dollar more than any other state just in tax revenue that is then sent to Sacramento. And our blend is different as well, right? That's why it's more expensive. Is that, is that a that's, that's one of the characteristics that will be at play and is always at play, that blend of summer or winter feedstock using ethanol, effectively growing crops, <laughs> as a source of feedstock to these refineries to quote unquote lower the carbon intensity of the product or lower the smog forming pollutants of these products comes at a cost. So that will also impact. We saw that in the fall when we were switching prematurely to a winter blend. It took a few weeks, but the price elevated 10 or 15 cents and then dropped back down when they fully switched to that feedstock for the winter time. So that so is always a So point. California's gas is cleaner than other countries, like essentially, or the rest of the country. If allegedly, if allegedly. So um, y there's debate about the cleanliness of growing corn in Iowa for a feedstock 
for a refinery setting in California and what are the water impacts, the fuel usage of that farming, the full spectrum of emissions from bringing that feedstock into a refinery versus, let's say, producing it in the hills of the San Joaquin Valley on the west side where it's going to go from an oil well to a pipeline to a refinery with very few midstream or transportation emissions. So um, it is sold to the consumers that it is better for the environment to blend ethanol and different feedstocks into our gasoline, but there's nothing that conclusively says we have a better environment as a result. It definitely costs more money, but it's hotly debated in the industry. The old country soaps are handcrafted and long-lasting soap bars made on a farm in South Dakota with soothing natural ingredients without harsh chemicals that can dry out your skin. They can produce a creamy lather unlike anything you've tried before. Just a great American-made product that will leave your skin feeling soft and smooth all day long. The soap is multi-purpose. You can also use it for your hair. It's great for shaving and safe for pets. Every order comes with an exfoliating soap bag. It can hold smaller pieces of soap and can prevent soap bars from slipping out of hand. After each use, just leave the soap bar inside and hang dry. It will last a very long time. This company does not sell on Amazon. So go to oldcountrysoap.com and reward yourself and your loved ones. Use promo code INSIDER and get an exclusive 20% off your order. Let's support a company that's bringing back traditional American values and American manufacturing. Now let's go back to the interview. Now, do you think this type of regulation will, because the industry, your industry said that this is going to increase the, the cost. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Do you think this is going to become something like cap and trade, where there is a committee, they're going to mm -hmm. find these oil companies, they're going to take the money, mm -hmm. not give it back mm -hmm. to the consumer and just do something else with it? I think it could. I think it could become an ongoing situation where they're redistributing profits to consumers. Although I, I'm thinking as they get this rolled out, Governor Newsom said it will take nine to twelve months just to set this committee up. So I think we're probably 24 months down the road before we really have some tangible results to review. What they're going to find is the fact that Californians have consumed virtually the same amount of oil every year for the past 40 years. We've consumed 600 million barrels a year in California, dating back 40 years. Despite the fact of this population growth we have had and all these more cars? Yes, yeah, so, so there's more vehicles, but engines have become more efficient. And then there's more EVs coming online, but then you're charging those EVs at night potentially, and you're using natural gas to do that. So there's still a significant amount of fossil fuels in the world's fourth or fifth largest economy that is California. So when you look at the California Energy Commission data, it shows 600 million barrels a year have been consumed in California. We're the number one state in terms of jet and aviation fuel usage, about 15% of the entire country's jet fuel is consumed in California. We're the number two consumer in terms of the whole country in gasoline. As you say, we have 
20 million vehicles. We have close to 40 million people here. We drive and we drive we far drive distances. A lot. And yes. we're always in traffic too. Yeah, we're always in traffic. <laughs> and it's very important to recognize those fundamental facts to the energy complex in California because demand is inelastic. And we learned that in Economics 101, that gasoline de demand is one of those things. If you have to take your children to practice or if you want to go on vacation, you're going to pay for the gasoline because you want to get to where you're going. Um, so I think what the commission will find is that demand has maintained at a constant level. However, we're taking local supply out of the economics of the equation. And as you remove local supply from the market, we become prone to price shocks and availability of these, of these resources can, can come into uh, supply shocks. So those things happen. Now, do you think the price of gasoline will keep going up? I think if we're being very honest about the situation with the people of California, the people of California are beholden to OPEC. And, and we saw that last week. OPEC and Saudi Arabia announced production cuts. And this week we're up about 10 to 15 cents a gallon. It, it takes a week or two to, or, and sometimes longer, depending on how long the refinery is contracted for those barrels. But when your supply source is 60% foreign crude, as it is in California, you're going to be beholden to the production cuts of the foreign producers. And OPEC is the largest cartel in the world. It controls the global oil trade. And the only competition for the California refineries to an international barrel traded on Brent pricing, subject to OPEC production, is a California barrel. And we've seen 65 million barrels lost on an annual basis in California since Governor Newsom took office. And that is a huge number. That is 180,000 barrels per day that California is no longer producing for its people. So when you say lost, where do we get this now? So now every, every barrel almost that we are shutting down in California is being replaced by South American heavy oil barrels. So California produces what's called a heavy oil. It's about a 12 to 20 gravity crude. It looks like thick syrup coming out of the ground. So all of these refineries in California are manufactured and built and designed to take that oil, that heavy oil feedstock, and refine it. So California Air Resources Board recognizes this in their scoping plan released in December. They say, as we shut down California oil production, it will be replaced by South American production because it's similarly heavy in nature. So you have to replace the barrels with something that works in the refineries that we have. And that's South America. That happens to be Ecuador, Brazil, Guiana, effectively the rainforest that are the lungs of the earth. We're, we're taking crude out of the rainforest now instead of California because it's allegedly better for the environment. But it's better for our environment than theirs, right? It's better for the local environment, but 
it does nothing for the global environment. In fact, it does the opposite. We're losing biodiversity and the ecosystems of the rainforest in Ecuador, the most biodiverse ecosystem on the planet. We're sacrificing that, and then we're taking that crude oil produced in the Amazon rainforest, we're putting it on a tanker that burns bunker fuel, the dirtiest form of transportation, and the dirtiest way you can move Probably oil. not regulated at all. Because totally unregulated, not subject to CEQA, the California Environmental Quality Act, not subject to the Global Warming Solutions Act of 2006. We're suffering extreme leakage into those environments, and then we're bringing it back into our ports on tankers, which is spewing pollution into the cities of Los Angeles and Long Beach, the very disadvantaged communities that Sacramento is allegedly protecting are now receiving more tanker traffic as a result of these policies, more pollution into their communities versus a local barrel that is brought on a pipeline that runs under the city that emits nothing straight to the refinery. And it's, it's very disingenuous to tell the people of California that we are transitioning to an all-electric future because it's not happening today. Why are we doing this? It's, it's really about control. It's really about controlling the outcomes of how we move as a society. When you really look at it from a holistic perspective, you can identify the leakage in these other foreign countries. You can identify the environmental damages, but you can't identify the benefits to the people of California, other than the government is telling us that they need to be in control of where our liquid fuels come from and where our electricity comes from. Do you think these leaders not understand or not see what you just explained, that we're getting them from these rainforest areas, we're mm -hmm. transporting them, the emissions are probably a lot more. Mm. And I'm not an expert in this field. Right. Just, just hearing this, it makes common sense. Right. Do you think our leaders don't understand this point? or I think they understand that the, the people in California don't, don't exactly know how all of this works. It's a very complicated system. It's hard even just explaining it to you. And I'm in the industry. So I think they're counting on the fact that Californians don't exactly know who to be upset with. So they can say big oil, and that'll make somebody mad. That makes someone angry that big oil is ripping me off somehow. When in all actuality, it's the lack of competitiveness in California. And that's pervasive throughout industries in California. You see Tesla relocating to Texas. You see biotech moving out to Texas. You see a whole host of industries moving out because these massive environmental policies and the lack of permitting that is taking place at the local level really favors the major corporate players, no matter what industry it is. So it's really tamping down competition in California, and that hurts our communities, that hurts service companies and companies in oil and gas in Bakersfield and Los Angeles, wherever it is throughout the state, those 65 million barrels a year that we've lost under the Newsom administration, that's $6.5 billion every year at $100 a barrel oil. So just every year we're now losing and trading that $6.5 billion to petro state dictators in these Amazon countries or in 
Iraq and Saudi Arabia, where we get most of our oil from, we're entrusting those political regimes to safeguard the environment, to pay people you know, living wages in, in, their, in their countries. And we're not expecting the Californian consumer to put all of this together. So I think, I think it's political cover for them to be able to say, well, hey, it's big oil doing it to you. We're not doing it, but we're gonna look into the price gouging I'll, I'll promise you that next November. You know, it's kind of that whole political rhetoric to the next election season. And it does look green, right? It Maybe. It looks like you're shutting this down. <laughs> it, it does look. Well, that's the thing. If you physically, like yesterday, I was in Bakersfield and Taft and the, the west side of the San Joaquin Valley. So when you drive through these established oil fields, they've been there since 1900. They've been there. They've been developed over 125 years. So that infrastructure is there. There is a lot of iron. There's pumping units, there's pipelines, there's tank settings. All of that infrastructure is there. It's not going away. It's not going anywhere. So we're not actually transitioning anything. So we're we shut it down. We're shutting it down. And what we, what we risk doing when we shut it down is the total loss of that economic impact. So that's where it relates back to um, you know, political campaigning to say, oh, well, we can shut it down. It's cleaner for California if we shut down the Central Valley or if we shut down urban drilling in Los Angeles in the Inglewood oil field. But if we don't recognize that the port of LA and Long Beach is the number one source of pollution in Southern California, what are we really accomplishing? Because they're telling us, well, we're gonna transition all of our vehicles. It doesn't matter if the top source of pollution is still pumping away without any oversight. Now, how does all this make you feel? You've been in this field, you're seeing this, mm -hmm. you're talking to the leaders. Um, it's, it's aggravating, it's hard. I, I, I have to pause because I don't want to say something I can't say on camera. It's really frustrating because my neighbors are asking about it. My friends are asking about it. I'm sure yours are. People don't know why things are happening. They're just told they need to be angry. And I don't think that's fair to a state of 40 million people to tell them just to be angry at a big oil company, to be angry at Chevron. It doesn't solve anything. But what I think people want to know is, how but Chevron is in other states too. Exactly. All these companies are in other states and the price is lower. In the, I, that, that's where right. I don't. Exactly. No, you're exactly right. And I'm not right. for big oil because right. I don't know. They might be doing some, some shady things too. I'm, right. I, I don't know. But that's exactly. Well, I think we need to, th those are the questions that need to be asked to the policymakers. Why is Chevron price gouging Californians, but they're not price gouging Oklahomans who are paying $3.15 for their gasoline today? All of these programs and taxes add up, yes. There might still be, quote unquote, mystery surcharges in California, but as I mentioned, we trade on an international market. So when a Saudi Arabia cuts production and the price of Brent crude goes up $5 overnight, there's no competition for that barrel. And so the Californians are gonna be stuck paying for that higher priced barrel of oil because we are not fostering competition in our state when we can, when the resource is there. And so it's, it's very frustrating to hear politicians present it and frame it as you know, the people versus big oil.
And why are you being vocal about it? And, and this, is a, this is a tough topic to talk about. And yeah, I think it's a tough to topic to talk about, but I also think it's one that's worth talking about. I think everyday people are struggling with their, their bills and affordability, and this factors into literally everything we're touching and buying, whether it's groceries at the store that are brought by a diesel refrigerated truck, whether it's someone redoing their front yard and the landscaper coming and, and, and needing to, to drive their truck to the job, whatever it is, it's impacting all of our lives. And that's why we all need to talk about it as an industry, as, as folks that are experts. And sadly, the big oil companies do not want to talk about it. It does not benefit them to talk about it because they have a captive market. And that goes back to the demand side being constant at 600 million barrels a year. They we know- We still need them anyways. They know <laughs> we need them. And, and I think there's going to be a reckoning even within the industry where you have small independents and operators that are going to break away from the major corporations because they realize that a Chevron could go develop oil in another part of the world and bring, and it, bring here. it here and they lose nothing. Now they might have to comply with some sort of an, a committee paperwork now and, uh, and there's paperwork involved with that. But there's also a huge shadow market emerging in crude oil as a result of this war. And so there's, there's a lot of murkiness that does need to be investigated, but I think the Sacramento committees and the oil operators are going to all get to the same point in all of this where none of this looks good for the people of California. So it requires people like me to start talking about the issues that are not being discussed. And you grew up here, right, in California? I grew up here, born and raised in San Diego. I knew nothing about where gasoline came from. I, I go to the gas station and I fill up and, and that's it. But um, yeah, I'm from here and, and it's a concerning topic. It's, um, you know, just yesterday, I, I see gas stations posting gas all the way from $5.50 down to $4.70 throughout Southern California and Bakersfield. So right there is an example of not only is there a refining market, but there's a service station market. And they have a role to play in how these prices are set at the pump. So I think there's so many factors involved here that one committee is not gonna solve anything. What's really gonna solve the problem is fostering competition in California, allowing the free market and the people of California to produce the resources under our feet. And let's see how competitive we can make it to drive down the influence of big oil. And, and that takes a nuanced conversation that I don't see political extreme you know, party, either whether it's Democrat or, li or, or Republican, they don't want to talk about what's in the middle and, and, and the moderate issues. Mike Umbro, energy entrepreneur, it was great to have you on California Insider. Thank you for having me. Always love it. If you like the show and our content, you should go to insiderca.com and sign up to our newsletter because we never know what can happen with social media and other platforms in terms of distributing our content. If you'd like to come on the show and be an insider, you can reach out to us at cainsider at epochtimesca.com. Again, it's cainsider at epochtimesca.com. 
We would love to have you on the show to tell us what's going on in your field in California.